This is the Hand Down Man Down Show. say that little that little break was well needed but in the midst of all that i was able to catch up on a lot of basketball so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun-filled episode we got a lot for you on tap for the show today uh we got a nice little nba segment with my man zach noble from the four seasons podcast and we got a got a little cbb today edition segment talking about some of the things going on on the men's side of the college game with my guys Joseph Nardone and Ben Bornstein of CBBToday.com. You know, this this one of the sites I write for, so I do I do follow the women's side. But before we even get in that, we're going to also talk about some of the stuff that's going on on the women's side right now. But before we get into that, we're going to get into a little something different. We're going to start something new here. It's going to be it's going to start a little segment called Off the Backboard. We're going to talk about a couple of things that's been going on in the news, especially in the basketball newswire for the past week or so. Run. He's averaging 42.5 points and 8.9 assists over those 19 games. So it's, it's to the point now where you start looking at James Harden, you're starting to think, is he going for another MVP run? Is he going for something greater? Who knows? But right now, James Harden is on a tear. And also, if you haven't been catching up with some of the injury news lately, well, two big things. One, DeMarcus Cousins is back in the lineup for the Golden State Warriors. That's right. In his first game back in 14 points and six rebounds in the game Friday for the Golden State Warriors. We'll get into more of him later on. And then there was a big injury going out in the Warriors. Once again, Anthony Davis had to come out with an injury in the game against the Golden Trail Braves. Blazers with an injured hand. The timetable for him, I think, is for like one to two games, I believe. Some of the things that's going on in my mind is going on in the women's game for a little bit. 
And one of the things that's caught my eye is the play of the Rutgers University Scarlet Knights. Yes, Coach C. Vivian Stringer, to getting her 1,000th victory early on in the season, has really, really got these girls playing at a really, really high level right now. You got a couple of girls on the team right now in Ariel Guarantes and Stacia Carey. They're both averaging over 10 points a game right now for Rutgers. But even then, when you look at their stats, it's it's a pretty balanced output once you look at the stats down the line. I mean, no one else is really averaging, you know, close to double digits. Sienna Kayor Ka- Ka- is averaging nine points. Sharice Wilson is averaging eight. You know, Caitlin Jenkins, Jenkins is averaging 6.7. You know, they don't really have, like, a player who's, like, a, you know, just out outliers 20 points a night. Can they have players who can do that? Yes, they do. But it's going to get to a point where you look at Coach C. Vivian Stringer and it's going to, it's not going to be one of those moments where you're looking at them and you're going to say, oh, wow, they have a They're still undefeated in the Big Ten. So when you look at things, it's looking like they're going to shape up to really be one of those contenders. Wow. You know, I was I was wondering if they were going to be be a contender for that Big Ten Conference Championship. You know, with the way teams were playing, you had to like Minnesota. They were all coming up and they were all playing really good basketball right now. But Rutgers has just seemed like they're just they're just far and above most of the most of the teams in the Big Ten. season but it looks like after that upset victory over Maryland you know before you know on New Year's Eve you know it looks like looks like Rutgers is going to be one of those teams that we should really look out for come tournament time because if you take a look at some of the bracketology that's going on right now they're seated as a fifth seed But if they can keep this up, we might be looking at them talking about a much higher seed than what they're at, where they're at, where they are right now. And if they can keep this up, they can keep this competitive play up. This this play uh, under Coach Stringer, we we should be looking at Rutgers holding up that Big Ten tournament championship and the record this season. And even with the play of the Rutgers women, there's still no denying that there are a couple players that's in the in the NCAA ranks right now. Who I believe should really in their respective teams and their respective conferences. For starters, we all know about the the stellar post players that are in the country right now. You got Ruthie Hebbard out in Oregon, Tierra McCowan out from Mississippi State, Kelani Brown for Baylor. But there's one particular big who I think should really start getting some recognition, and that's Ariana Harris, the junior center out of Purdue. Now, she was last season's Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and even with right now, the way she's playing, she's looking, she's probably going to add that trophy to her mantle once again. When you look at her play, you look at how she commands the paint for the University of Purdue on the basketball court, it's no reason why Purdue's defense is so stout and protecting the paint and protecting the basket. When you got a player like Ariana Harris, who is a shot-blocking dynamo for Purdue, it's hard for the opposition to go, to attack the basket at any point in time. During 
same wants to. But that's how talented she is. That's how good her defensive uh, prowess is. She's averaging 9.3 rebounds per game, which is sixth in the Big Ten. She also is averaging about 3.4 blocks per game and 1.2 steals per game. So she does it all on the defensive end for Purdue. And then, to get, and then again, she also has a good offensive game to back it up. This is a player who should be getting way more pushed than what she's than what she's getting outside of what she knows in the Big Ten. And even outside of Ariana Harris, there's, there's a player out for Gonzaga who we'll talk about a little later on, and Zakira Rice. Now, if you've been watching Gonzaga play, people are probably understanding like, oh, she's you, you, she stands out because of you know her blue hairstyle. And don't get me wrong, that's swagged out for for the college game right now. But she does more than just her hairstyle. Zakira Rice is is a versatile forward for the Bulldogs, and she's 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 been one of the main reasons why they're playing. The season and also this historic pace for the program uh, she's averaging about 14.3 points and 6.8 boards per game and then she's also shooting the ball pretty well she's a true shooting percentage of 51.6 percent and even with conference play getting started she upped her scoring average to 20 points a game she can do it all she has a, a variety of moves down on the block she's very versatile on the high post she does a lot for Gonzaga and with her running the helm for that team it's it's no surprise that they're doing what they're doing uh to start things off in West Coast Conference play and for the way they started the season off because when the season got started I'm not I'm gonna be honest with you I did not have Gonzaga on my radar not because they weren't talented it was it was just because most people we talk about we talk about mostly the high profile teams and the high profile uh, uh players already but with the way she's going, it's it's she's going to be looking to be a very high-profile piece come conference tournament time and come tournament time when March gets started. And we should start talking about her getting drafted to the WNBA possibly. So she's a player to definitely look out for. And even on the small school spectrum, we don't get a lot. We don't get a lot of chances to mention players who play for the smaller schools or the smaller conferences. But if it's one player in particular who we should be starting to talk about more, it's Jess Kovacs, the senior guard out of St. Francis, PA for the uh, Red Flash. She is a dynamite shooter. She already leads. She's already an all-time leader in school. of the Northeast Conference after attending Mount St. Mary's University. She's also the third player in NCAA history to hit three, 403 pointers in a career. Now, the fact that small universities don't get a lot of play makes it hard for But she's one of those players who should really start getting noticeable because of the way she plays. I mean, without her, the Red Flash, it would be hard for the Red Flash to compete in the NEC. There are a lot of talented. You got my alma mater, Mount St. Mary's. You got uh, you got St. Francis up in Brooklyn. You got LIU. You got Wagner. There are a lot of talented teams in the 
conference and the fact that Jess Kovac stands out so well for St. Francis PA, it just tells you how good of a player she is. And to end it all off, there's one player who I feel is one of the most talented guards in the country, but the fact that she plays for for a team like for for Buffalo in the MAC, you know, you don't really get to see a lot of matching on TV. But for a player like Sierra Dillard, the junior guard for the Buffalo Bulls, it's about time she started getting noticed. She's already put the country on she's already put the country on notice to recognizing how she plays with her play in the NCAA tournament last year, leading leading Buffalo to the Sweet 16. But this is a player who's coming off she has a 43 point performance against Eastern Michigan already. And because of that play, because of that play during that week, she was named the ESPNW National Player of the Week. I mean, when you got a player who's averaging 25 points, five assists, and almost five rebounds a game, it's no reason Sierra Dilla is is on is on my radar as the player that she is. And she's also helping Buffalo get back to the point where they were last year. I'm trying to get back to the NCAA tournament again. Right now, Buffalo's 11 and four. They're three and one in uh, in MAC play. But as long as Sierra Dilla keeps doing the numbers that she's doing. I don't see how Buffalo can't make it back to the NCAA tournament this season. There's absolutely positively no reason why they shouldn't make it back. They're that talented of a team. And Sierra Diller is that talented of a player. So it's it's time that that she start getting the record truly, truly deserves. Now, speaking of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Gonzaga is a very, very good basketball team. They have been on a monumental, historic role for this for this university, and it's great to see for college basketball because not only we're just talking about the mainstay powerhouses, but we're also talking about we're also talking about one of the one of the smaller schools. Now, granted, they just took their first loss back on the 17th against BYU they lost by two but if you still you still look at how they've been playing they have been playing tremendous basketball this season they're up to number 13 in the country as of right now they're probably going to take a step back come come Monday once the new uh, top 25 rolls around but uh, when you when you look at how they play when you look at how they're coached you know, Lisa Fortier is doing a tremendous, tremendous job in coaching up these young women and getting them ready to play. Now, you look at this team, along with Zakira Rice, who we mentioned earlier, they have nine players on the team who's averaging about 15 minutes a game, and of those nine players, seven of them are averaging 20 minutes. So she can go seven to nine deep in any basketball game. Not only that, they do a lot of things well with when they're on the basketball court. They have, they're only averaging 13.8 turnovers a game. They cause turnovers, which is leading up to them, which is the reason why they're getting like 10 steals a game, which is first in the WCAC. They also rebound the ball extremely well. They're second in the conference in 30, 36 rebounds a game. And they also make it tough for opponents to score basketball. They're they're allowing under 60 points a game. They're only allowing 56 and a half points, and teams are only shooting 36.6 percent from the field. Now, we already mentioned Zakira Rice, but there's 
There's two other players for Gonzaga who we really should start talking about more, and that's Chandler Smith and Jill Townsend. The two guards are combined averaging 19.1 points per game for Gonzaga, but the X factor really is Townsend. Um, she's one of those players who can go and who's going to get in there and rebound the basketball, and she can also shoot the lights out of the basketball. She's shooting beyond. She can shoot the ball beyond the arc, which allows which allows Gonzaga to open the floor up for certain players like Zakira Rice to attack inside because now teams have to worry about that threat of a player who can shoot from beyond the arc. So when you look at this team play, when you look at how they're doing things right now up at Tacoma, Washington, there's, 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 there's reason to believe that Gonzaga is going to go pretty far in the tournament once, uh, once March rolls around. But at the same time, you still got to remember, they still got to go through, you know, conference play. And that goes with the same thing for Rutgers as well. They still have to make it through conference play, and it's gonna get it's gonna get a little tougher, you know, as the season rolls along. Gonzaga has a good good stretch of games left to play. They still got to go up against San Francisco, Santa Clara. Another matchup with BYU. So, who knows what's gonna happen once this once everything you know comes to a head once the regular season is over in March for both Rutgers and Gonzaga. It's just the fact that both of these teams were not even in the discussion at the beginning of the season, particularly Gonzaga, because like I said, Gonzaga is, is in such a smaller conference, you know, for the women's side of things. We all know about the conference on the men's side, but not a lot of people give a lot of credence to the way they play things on the women's side in the WCC. But when you look at how Gonzaga's playing, it's starting to give you know, fans a lot more notice of what is going on in Gonzaga basketball right now. And it's pretty, pretty great to watch. So who knows what's going to happen down the line in terms of how Gonzaga is going to finish this season out. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into our next segment. We're going to talk about some of the things that's going on in the NBA and who other to have on than my good friend, Zach Noble of the Four Seasons NBA podcast. You can catch him anytime on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you can listen to some of your podcast uh, news and updates. But in the meantime, between time, here is Zach Noble and myself talking about a couple of things that's going on in the NBA right now. All right, guys, I'm here. I'm here with my good friend Zach. Zach Golden, what's been what's been going on with you, Zach? Well, I just got back from Iceland. I was over there for a week, and that was quite the adventure. Uh, Faced some blizzards, went out in the middle of nowhere, snowmobiling, and on a quite the adventure. So I'm trying to get back used to American time zone. I was seven hours ahead over there, and I'm just getting back in the swing of things and getting ready for a full day of hoops here. Nice, nice, nice. He is right. It's gonna be a nice, nice little, nice little hoop schedule going on. For those of y'all who don't know, this is Zach Noble. He is the one of the hosts of the Four Seasons NBA podcast on Lineups and Dash Radio, and he's also a contributor for Real Real Ball Insider. So he's gonna he's gonna give us a little bit of inside scoop on you know so on two of the topics we have going on today. So might as well just go ahead and jump right into it because the big thing that we saw last night is Demarcus. DeMarcus Cousins is returned. That's right. He is back in the starting lineup for the Golden State Warriors. It's his first game back in almost a almost about a calendar year now to recover from his torn Achilles. And if you saw the game, he looked he looked pretty good last night. It was I think it was 14 points and six yeah. rebounds. So 
Yeah, with the Warriors. Good. Yeah, no question. He looked very good last night. And with the Warriors now having a grand total of five All Stars in the starting lineup, and we haven't seen that since since me before me and Zach was even born. You know, everybody's wondering now that they got Demarcus Cousins back, who who's going to be a threat to the Warriors now? Is it you know and I don't know if you have any insight on it, but who do you think could be one of the main threats to the Golden State Warriors repeating as champions again this year? Honestly, Danny, absolutely nobody. <laughs> as long as these guys stay healthy, <laughs> I, I I honestly don't see them losing a playoff game. I think this is the year they they go sixteen and zero. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'd probably say fourteen and two. I think they'll they'll lose two along the way, but. Um, I would not be shocked if they go 16-0. and So I'm just excited to see all the other storylines play out throughout the season. I mean, there's only one winner every year, and who cares if it's a little predictable? There's so much drama in this league to make this thing exciting anyways. Um, it, it stinks that we already know the winner if they stay healthy, but you got to play the games for a reason. And if they go down, I mean, it would be even more exciting because I think if anybody's the biggest threat to raise their ceiling, though, if I had to pick somebody, I'd honestly say the Celtics uh, because I feel like they're just hitting stride now. They have so much untapped talent yet. They've been playing pretty awful for the most part of the season, but um, they still have so much untapped potential. Um, Whereas the Raptors, I think we've seen, they've been the best team in the league throughout most of the season. And, uh, We've we've seen them in the Bucks and um, what what they really are, and I think they are what they are. They're really good teams, but I just don't think they have much untapped potential like the Celtics. So um, I'd say the Celtics, and then the Rockets. I, I feel like they're a team that's always active at the trade deadline, and uh, I'd say the Celtics. Yeah. And then the other team that I'd see uh, would have a really high ceiling is the Rockets if they're active at the trade deadline. I think. Um, they might make one more move and Chris Paul coming back healthy and Clint Capella is going to have fresh legs after he returns from his injury. Uh, those would be the two teams I would say that pose any threat. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, you mentioned Boston already. Boston right now, they're, they're kind of up and down, which is kind of a shock for us as talented as this team really is. Um, no one really thought – you know, Boston will be in this, you know, situation that they're in. And right now, if you look at the standings, they're only fifth in the Eastern Conference right now. And, uh, you know, with Kyrie coming to the, the the realization after, you know, finally after apologizing, apologizing to LeBron, you know, about being the, the, the leader, the guy who knows how to win a championship and trying to teach other guys how to do it, he realizes it's very hard. So we'll definitely see what's going on. I mean, they're on the, they've they won the last two. They're only in their last five. They're about two and three. You know, they lost lost some games that they should not have lost to the teams who were pretty beatable, but they came back strong against Toronto and Memphis the past couple in the, the last two games. But uh, you're right. I mean, you mentioned it already. I, myself, really don't see a threat to the Golden State Warriors now. Now right. they got DeMarcus Cousins back in the lineup. Um, <clears throat> again. This is besides Boston, and if Houston comes back healthy, this is the most potent potent rotation in the NBA right now. You like we said, we already mentioned you got Durant, you got you know Steph and Clay and 
and Draymond. Now you got DeMarcus Cousins back, and then you got to think about what's coming off the bench for them. You know, Andre Iguodala, <laughs> Kevin Looney, uh, Sean Livingston, Quinn Cook, you know, Jordan Bell, Damian Lee when he comes back healthy. So this is this is a team who we were looking at. We was like, we already knew you guys were going to be, you know, the the main favorite to win the championship this year. But now, now you come back and you get a player of DeMarcus Cousins caliber into your starting lineup, a starting center, as a matter of fact, which they haven't had in – I don't even remember they had, a, like, a quality starting center, to be honest with you. This is their first real all-star like caliber center. And yeah, bringing him in, the best. Yeah, JaVel McGee might have been the best center they've had <laughs> over the, over the uh, this championship run that they've been on. And to get a player like DeMarcus Cousins, who was easily a 20-15 and 15 or 25-15 and 15 player, I mean, where can you go? How can you go wrong with this? The only other threat I can see to the Golden State Warriors, if we're not talking about an opposing team, honestly, it's themselves. Right. You know, and – you know, I've told people this before, and they're like, well, wait, how can it be a threat to themselves? We'll we'll take it back, back a little bit. When you think about it, a lot of championship teams during the regular season, they really don't take those first 82 games very seriously. Then they start to turn it on during the playoffs. The thing about most teams is can they turn it? A lot of teams can't turn that switch on and off. Now, we've seen them do it in the past with the teams they've had before but this is this is a whole new season a whole new team and a whole new rotation you got five guys in your lineup who are who, who pretty much need the ball in their hands at some point with exception of probably with the exception of clay because clay is a guy who can probably score 50 only dribbling the ball once if he wanted to right so that's good stuff too yeah, so who knows what it's going to be, but I think their biggest threat to them to their championship reign is themselves. If not themselves, um, I'm of the mindset if Chris Paul comes back healthy, Clay, I mean Clint Capella comes back healthy, Houston could be a problem for them. And then when you think about it, as much as we were harking on Toronto, Toronto right has been the best team for a majority of the season. Um, when you look at what they bring to the table, I mean, I don't think Boston's gonna. I don't think Boston's you gonna pick it up anytime soon. Like like you said, they're already fifth in the conference, and they still got to go through. You still got to get past teams like uh, Philly and Milwaukee, and of course Toronto being up top. So who knows what the thing's gonna be? But with Toronto, you already mentioned it. Um, Kawhi Leonard, he's coming turned into an MVP candidate after a, a year and some change off. And then on top of that, you got, you know, a rotation that's pretty, pretty potent when it comes to going up against the Warriors. You got Kyle Lowry who can match up with Steph. Serge Ibaka is a guy who can mix it up with anybody. And then Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, they can they can come in and pretty much rock with anybody on the Golden State Warriors sure. team right now. So if – Anything, I think the biggest threat, really the biggest, is themselves right now at this point. No, I like that. And then, of, and then of course, you know, we already talked about it. We mentioned Boston, we mentioned Toronto, and then of course Houston. If Houston comes back healthy, but that's the beauty of the NBA. There's 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 parity this season. You know, 
who'd have thought we look at it and Denver is the second best team in the Western Conference. Uh, yeah. LA is up and down with uh, LeBron out of the rotation right now. He's supposed to be back next week. So who knows what's going to happen. But you got any of the storylines that, that could be going on right now that we should know about? No, the one thing I want to touch on there is you, I, I like that. The only people that can really beat them is themselves. And so Steve Kerr's got a lot of pressure, really dispersing the minutes, keeping these guys happy, uh, just making sure that they're healthy. And DeMarcus Cousins, um, I feel like he's the one guy. They they finally came together as a group after overcoming the little KD Draymond drama at the beginning of the year. And um, I feel like that's going to continue to go on, um, even though I had David West on the show uh, a couple weeks back, and he said, he thinks things um, were a lot worse last year, um, and it hasn't been that bad overall this year. But DeMarcus Cousins will add a completely different personality and perspective. So as long as they don't kill each other, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, but, yeah, where would you like to go from here? I mean, yeah, we are. We mentioned we touched on a little bit. Uh, there's been some some lot of rumors going around, especially in terms of trade talks. You know, we got the Dennis Smith saga going on in Dallas. And then, you know, um, I forgot what the trade was, but it involved New York. There's going to be Frank Nilakina and, oh, I forgot the second player was involved. They were supposed to go to Dallas for Dennis Smith Jr. And if anything, what players that are that are out and about right now who you see as potential trade bait going into February, especially with the All-Star break coming up, and then, of course, that goes right into the trade deadline? Yeah, for me, the the biggest names out there that I, I really think they should blow it up outside of Dennis Smith Jr., I mean, Orlando and New York are the two teams I'd really like to see, with the third one being Detroit. I think there's a lot of great options um, for movement on both sides there. But um, the two biggest names I think that should be gone for sure, they need to just blow this thing up once and for all, is the Memphis Grizzlies with Mike Connolly and Mark Gasol. Um, I was kind of on this train last year, too, but um, I think it's finally picking up steam. I think they're getting sick of uh, losing and um, this regime. Uh, I think that they had a meeting earlier this week. I'm not sure how it actually went, um, but I, I'm guessing these guys know that um, they're going to have a tough time winning in Memphis. So uh, I, I'd like to see them move and have a chance to win somewhere. Yeah, I definitely see. I I definitely agree with that. I think it is time to blow up uh, the Memphis Grizzlies right now because, like you said, who knows what's going through the mindset of Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. They've been at the going per growth, you know, the starting the beginning of the decade with uh, Lionel Hollins in the in the, as as coach, and then when they you know let him go. They just kind of went just downhill from there in terms of performance. You know, Conley's been trying to stay healthy, but he's trying to do a lot. Gasol's trying to do a little bit more. But they're getting to the point now where they're talking about they're vying for championships. And if I I would see them, I don't see them staying in Memphis too much longer. Um, One of the dudes, like I said, and I wanted to bring up a little bit, and I touched on them a little bit, um, was Frank starting to pick up some interest from a lot of teams um, 
in the league right now. Uh, the Suns have expressed some interest, like you said. The Magic has they they've definitely expressed interest in in Frank Nilakina, but who knows what's gonna happen because Nilakina, he's I mean he's he's been the dude who's been like just a steady defender for the New York Knicks over the past couple of years since he's been in the league. His only problem is his offensive output is just little slightly of av- below average Abismal. what we thought he was going to be. Oh, it's been, yeah. It's been terrible, yeah. Yeah, like so, I so think let's it's, be it's, honest here, Danny. He's been awful. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be honest, but I'm 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 also like trying to like, you know, let's be nice about it because but right. I don't like being nice about it because in this situation, I thought I had Frank Nilakina being a much better point guard than what he was coming into the league when he got drafted a few years ago. You know, he's he's, he's only played 115 games for New York and he's averaging six points and three assists a game. Um, and even then, he's not even shooting the ball well. He shoots he's shooting at a 35, excuse me, a 35 percent clip and a 31 percent clip from beyond beyond the three point line. So. For someone who was expecting to be a top five pick, you're right. That, those are awful numbers, and that's awful performance on his part. So no one would expect that. Um, in terms of who else who I see happening, as much as we were harking on the Lakers on in the beginning of the season, I really, really think they're going to move KCP, you know, before the trade deadline happens. And it's only because of his his really, really stacked contract. Um, and then at the same time, when you look at him, he's starting to become he's he's starting to look like an asset for for certain teams. Like right now, he's he's averaging about he's averaging about ten points a game with you know two rebounds, two you know almost not two assists, barely just one assist, you know. But he's shooting the ball on on average about forty two percent from the floor, thirty five percent from three. But in terms of you know, a team who's looking for a viable two guard to come off their bench. I don't see how the Lakers can't move KCP because, to be honest with you, no one else, right. everybody else on that team is pretty much um, untouchable at this point. Really? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that honestly. I feel like uh, LeBron. I mean, seeing how they they played without him, I, I don't think he was too impressed. And the, the brass. Uh, Blink and Magic, I don't think they were that impressed with it overall. I think Kuzma would be the one untouchable, and um, Lonzo Ball is, I mean, definitely an amazing defender, but um, I still think they would move him for the right pieces. Uh, the one guy, I mean, I could see L.A. going after right now is Bradley Beal. Um, I just don't know how much they'd give up for him. Outside of that, I don't see anybody too worth it to give up their main core unless um, you threw Josh Hart in a deal to bring in Vucevic. I'd re- I'd really like to see Vuce in LA. I think he'd be a great fit there. If if Vuce is in LA, I think that that bumps LA past a lot of teams in the Western Conference, sure. especially once LeBron gets back. Because you already mentioned that Kyle Kuzma and and Brandon Ingram are starting to come along strong. Lonzo Ball is he's he's pretty much a guy who's pretty much playing defense, but at the same time for a point guard, he's, he has some solid numbers. You know, his, his play on the floor is really starting to, I guess, starting to pick up a little bit. We'll see what happens once LeBron comes back into the lineup next week. But if Vooch comes to the Lakers, I mean, that's going to be a solid, solid pick for them. Yeah, no, I'd like that a lot. And 
Orlando is one of the most interesting teams, um, I'd say, at the break here uh, because, I mean, Vucevic has been an all-star all year. He's almost probably been a top 15, 20 offensive player this year, and his defense has improved drastically. Basically the only bright spot for the Magic so far. But um, they got to figure out what to do with him if they were going to try to make a playoff push. And the things aren't looking good. They're starting to fall apart. so if they can't get any help with Vucevic, they're probably going to move on from him, I'd, I'd assume, because you could get a lot for him right now. Um, but also you got Aaron Gordon, who is very movable and hasn't been a great fit for the Steve Clifford um, offense. So it'll be really interesting to see what they would do. Yeah, no question, no question. Because Orlando, Orlando was definitely one of the teams who I thought was going to make a huge, like not like a, I'm not going to say a huge improvement, but I thought they were going to make some sort of a jump you know, especially like you said, with Aaron Gordon coming back, Evan Fournier is starting to come along strong. We knew what Vooch was going to do. Um, and then especially, you know, once Mo Bamba gets somewhat acclimated to the NBA life, you know, Orlando was going to be was going to be a team who's going to be somebody to look out for, especially to be a threat to some of the top tier teams in the East. They just haven't looked at it. And I just I can't explain it, but I think. You're right in the sense. I think Vooch is one of those guys who's probably who's probably going to be in the move coming out of Orlando. And if he were to go to L.A. for a guy like Josh Hart, I think that would be a solid, solid pickup for both teams. But uh, yeah, that was that's that's pretty much the the trade talk a little bit. At least at least this is what I'm hearing about. I mean, we already know about the Mellow saga. Mellow's you know still trying to figure out where he's going to go before the trade deadline. There's so much stuff happening right now that we, you know, everybody just stay tuned because you never know what's going to happen next. But in the meantime, in the meantime, Zach, Zach, I want to thank you so much for this, for this, for coming on the show for for me today. Um, if you can, just just give the people a little shout out where they can find some of your stuff at. Appreciate it, Danny. Yeah, it's fun conversation. So um, I'm with the Four Seasons Podcast uh, on part. Uh, with lineups, um, check out lineups and all the great work. We're making a dent in the fantasy sports world and the betting world. But, uh, yeah, Four Seasons is for SDNS. Find us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Um, but normally put out one to two a week with um, top-notch guests, whether it be players, um, coaches, what have you. Um, but my Twitter handle is Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. And my partner is Ryan Majosh, um, who also does a lot with the daily fantasy betting. So check us out, and I appreciate all the support. Yeah, guys, if you, if it's one podcast, if, especially if you're into the NBA talk, if it's definitely besides besides us, there's another there's another podcast you can definitely listen to right there. But Zach, I want to appreciate you so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you again later. Thanks a lot, Danny. Have a great day. So. All right, guys, I'm here with two of my good, good buddies from CBB today. That is Ben Bornstein and Joseph Nardun. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic, sir. How are you? I cannot complain. It's been a lot of basketball going on, you know, just trying to stay on top of things and just looking to seeing what's been going on, especially on the men's side. Um, I don't know about y'all, but it's starting to pick up a little bit and it's starting to get me a little bit high. Wish I could throw my uniform back on again. Well, we just looked at your per 40 numbers from when you were in college and you were pretty fantastic. You could probably help like Mississippi State right now, who's kind of sliding. 
Yeah, Mississippi State's definitely sliding down a little bit, but it's a couple teams that are sliding down. But today we're not we're not going to focus on the 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 bad part. Today we're going to look at some of the good guys, some of the guys who are you know some of the teams that's catching our eye right now. And for starters, one of the for starters for me, I know outside of the top fifteen, uh, what teams for y'all who are starting to look pretty good, who could probably make some noise by the time March rolls around? Ben, we'll start off with you. All right, I got a couple teams. I I happen to really like. Uh, I used to live in Maryland for a while, so I still follow the Terps fairly religiously. I really like Maryland this year. They've got um, they they've been playing much better basketball as conference play has started. They have a great point guard in Anthony Cowan. They have a great big man in Bruno Fernando. They're both combining for over thirty two points a game. Bruno Fernando is basically averaging a double double. They're the number 11 team in the country in total rebounds, number 19 in defensive rebounds. They keep teams under 41% from the floor, and they've got the guard play. They have the bigs play, and I think they have the bench to go deep in March. So they're one of the teams I really like. Um, I don't know if you want to go all three or you want me and Joe to go back and forth. We can do that. But, um, you know, I got my other two on deck if you're ready for it. Y'all can definitely go back and forth, man. I'm definitely just interested in this team, which I got to say, because I'm with you. Maryland was one of my teams. You already mentioned Fernando and and Cohen, but I'm I'm bringing up Jalen Smith, who's one of the uh, one of their draft prospects going into the draft this upcoming year. He's one of the one of the, he's one of those guys along with Fernando who can be who's turned into a force uh, in the inside for Maryland. It's starting to cause a real real havoc for. For the opposition and then like you said you already brought up Cowan I'm also bringing up Wiggins Marcel and Ayala because they're all, all of those guards are willing to get in there and rebound and defend like crazy for Maryland this year but Joe who was the other who was the team what team you was looking for all right well I'm glad we didn't double up here because I was gonna say Maryland but I have a backup um if we do the I'm cheating here a little bit because the AP poll has them at 15 um but Marquette obviously Marcus Howard who is probably the most dynamic scorer in the country it's kind of odd. I tweeted this out the other day that he's doing Buddy Heald, Trey Young-like things, and that he's not really getting that kind of attention. Uh, he's just a couple games removed from that 50-49 point or whatever point uh, performance where he scored like 11 in overtime. Um, dude is amazing, and he's super efficient. Uh, unlike a Trey Young last year who ended up shooting in the 30% and three in uh, conference uh, play, Marcus Howard is shooting 44% from deep this year still. Um, and obviously he's shooting a good 44% from the field. We had them, CBB today, we're going to tell our own horn, had them as the second-best team in the Big East. They're 15-3 and three now. I expect them to be even better as we go on. I'll throw out one more team. I agree with everything you guys said about Maryland, by the way. I like them a lot. Um, the other easy answer, easy, air quote, is Villanova. Uh, I think what happened is they lost a lot of talent last year early. Like White Dante left. Nobody expected White Dante to leave. Uh, so they're going to need a, you know, get some chemistry together a little bit this year. Phil Booth, who feels like he's been in college basketball since 1975, has been excellent for them. They're still shooting a lot of threes. And it feels like now that things are starting to settle, they have a little more chemistry. Like, even though they have a lot of upperclassmen, the rotations they are playing haven't played with each other a lot until now. Now they have a couple games under their belt. So I, I like Villanova a lot to start, like, really heating things up. Yeah, definitely Villanova and Marquette. Ben, who was the other team you had lined up? So I got, I got two teams here, both SEC teams, one of them ranked, one of them not ranked. Ole Miss right now, number 18 in the country. Yeah. They, 
they might be the biggest surprise of the season. Kermit Davis making a huge, huge play for Coach of the Year, in my opinion. They're 13-3. and They have wins over Mississippi State, Auburn, and Vanderbilt. That last one may be not as impressive, but still. Uh, most, of the, most of their conference games have been on the road, so they've got that going for them. It's tough to win on the road in any conference, I would argue, especially the SEC. Um, they did play a really soft non-conference schedule, though, and they took a loss against LSU on Tuesday. Um, so they're, they're not without fault, obviously, but they're a top 20 field goal percent team. They shoot about 49% from the floor. They go relatively deep. There are eight guys getting 10 minutes or more a game. They're fairly balanced. Um, I mean, this was a team that Kermit Davis took over. Everyone said, ah, they're going to suck for a year or two. They'll come back and they'll be okay. This year they're turning heads. I mean, first first new year, new coach, new year, new coach, all is well with Ole Miss. And uh, they got that big win over rival Mississippi State, who was supposed to be good this year too. So, to me, Ole Miss, really nice surprise. I hope they can keep it up. I'm with you. Terrence Davis is like, even though his county stats look similar, uh, he's way, way, way more efficient. He's actually added to the three point shot to his arsenal, which really o- opens up all this. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, I have no, I have no arguments against Ole Miss. Ole Miss really surprised has really surprised me this season, and I'm hoping they can keep this up because I want to see if they can give like teams like Tennessee and Kentucky a good run for their money once the conference tournament gets started. Nobody puts Tennessee in a corner. Nobody puts Rick Barnes in a corner. Not even Penny Hardaway. Not even Penny Hardaway. Yeah, absolutely right. Tennessee's the best team in the country. <laughs> that's a that's a hot take, but we'll get into that another day. Ben, who was this other team you were talking about in the SEC? Oh, a team a team that I was high on to start the season uh, cooled off a little bit, but now I'm back on the bandwagon. LSU, okay, they're unranked. They're 13-3, and but they're 3-0 in SEC play. They have wins over Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, the last two of which came on the road. Um, So you get extra brownie points for that. They have four guys in double-figure scoring. I think they have a really nice mix of experience and talented youth. I had Tremont Waters as a possible SEC Player of the Year candidate to start the season. He's cooled off a bit, and there have just been other guys who are playing out of their minds right now, so he's not really in the conversation right now. But I happen to really like Nas Reed. I think he's a great uh, draft prospect. He will probably go one and done. Excellent big man. He's got open court handles. He's really smooth. He's kind of flashy. I like it. He's like a – He's a very sexy player, if that makes sense. Um, they've, they've got great role players. They shoot about 49% from the floor. They are number nine in the country in steals, and they are a top 30 team in the country in blocks. That is, that is, that is a very surprised team, and I'm kind of with you on that a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned how they're one of the, you know, they're shooting the ball pretty well. These days said they're almost shooting like 50% from the field. They're also scoring at a high rate as well. They're scoring like 88 points a game this season. And, you know, with, like you said, with players like Waters and Reed, hell, even Skylar Mays is putting up some numbers for LSU right now. So LSU has really been on the rate has really been on their radar, but they wanted the team. So I was really looking forward to see if they're going to do some damage this year, especially once I heard they were picking up Naz Reed, uh, when they were recruiting him last year. So that's pr- that's a pretty good pick. 
get one of those every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't disagree. Like, we, you touch on Javante Smart a little bit, and he's been really, really the last four games. I don't want to count the fifth one because he, uh, he laid an egg. Uh, or not the last one. I apologize. Yeah, the last five, the, the fifth game he laid an egg. But um, he's been like, I think he's shooting like over the last four games, like 65% from three. That seems good. Yeah, it is good. I left the Furman game out because he did not play well. But yeah, they did get the win over a ranked Furman team at the time. Yes. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, I don't know if you all been paying attention, but like another team is that's kind of been on the on the radar for me a little bit. And I know they took a little bit of a hit when they lost to Carolina last week, but NC State is another team who I'm really looking forward to seeing yes. if they can keep this up in the ACC, especially with how especially with how loaded the conference is this year. When you have guys like Torn Dorn, uh Markel Johnson, uh CJ Bryce. You know, they, they have a complement of players who are really put up numbers for uh oh god, what's the coach's name? Uh Keats. Kevin Kevin Keats right now for NC State, who after last year, we didn't think I didn't think Kevin Keats was going probably gonna be back. He was gonna be like on the hot seat. He just got to the school. But now he's turned that program around and now we're starting to talk about NC State as being one of the top teams in the ACC once again. And it's been a while since we've said that about the Wolfpack for for a few years now. Uh, my my the last time might have been uh, with Jimmy V there. Well, Mark Gottfried or whatever his name was there because he was atrocious. He had that the team that with everybody thought had a hundred NBA players on it and they yeah. stunk. Oh, it was awesome. that was just two years, three years ago, right? I was like three. That was three years ago. You're absolutely right. It was Dennis? Was who? What was that team? That team was stacked. It was Dennis Smith Jr. Correct and Yurtz uh, even. Yep. Yeah, Omer Yurtz seven. Yeah. Yeah, you're at seven. You're at seven. You're at seven. Depends where in the region you live, how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, you your your seven, my seven, his seven, what you know, it's someone's seven. Hey, at least at least NC State is getting some credit now. That's that's one of the teams. That's that's the other team who I was looking forward to hearing about and seeing if they can keep this up for the rest of the season. Cause I'm telling you, it's this this start that I'm seeing from a lot of these, you know, these teams we mentioned. You know, like you brought up Ole Miss. I did not expect Ole Miss to be where they are right now. Um, LSU has been up and down, but they're starting to get it back up. Maryland, I had no faith in, and I live in Maryland. I'm right around the corner from College Park, and I got to tell you, I was not expecting them to do what they're doing right now. But they, they're surprising me a little bit. And then, of course, hearing about NC State, and, you know, this it's, it's looking like it's going to be a really good – you know, rocky and competitive March once the season rolls around. But with that, we are talking about under the radar uh, teams that's going to be causing problems. What about some of these under the radar draft prospects? Everyone and their mama is coming up with mock drafts every single month. And it seems like some players are getting not getting looked at. They're starting to pick it up a little bit and starting to get that notice. Who are some of the players you see they're like under the radar draft prospects. I know for me, Ty Jerome out of Virginia is is one of those prospects where I'm like, he should start getting some more look, especially being, you know, a pure point guard, especially on the defensive end. We're talking about a player who's shooting 41% from three. So he's a capable shooter. He can definitely distribute the basketball well, averaging almost five assists with, with almost, with barely under two turnovers a game. And then... Like most Virginia teams, especially with their guards, 
His defense is superb. He has a defensive rating of 82.3 while almost averaging two steals a game right now for Virginia. So we're all sitting there talking about, like, we all, I was looking at something, I was making comparisons between him and Trey Jones. And yes, Trey Jones is the much more hotter prospect because of his youth. But if I'm trying to get a leader right now who's having more experience, I'm I'm getting to look more at Ty Jerome at the point guard position right now. I mean, he is, as the kids first. say, V good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Ty Jerome is definitely one of the guys I'm looking at. What are, what are some of the prospects you all looking into? Uh, I have uh, I have two for you. I'm going to give you my super-duper way-outside-the-box guy first. Um, this is mostly because I am a homer for AEC basketball. Anthony Lamb for Vermont. Uh, for those that follow the AEC for some reason, like I am a crazy person, um, he came to Vermont as a Jimmy O'Warney type bully guy, bully ball guy, and that caught all his points under the basket. He's only six six. He's a six six power forward. Um, John Becker's using him more as a three this season because guess what he's done? He's developed an outside shot. Um, why his three points percentage shooting numbers aren't great? They're at a very respectable thirty eight percent. He's also taking them in volume four and a half per game. Uh, guy blocks at a high rate. He averages 2.3 per game, scores 20 points a game. He rebounds at a high clip. He's almost at eight a game. Uh, he's not going to be on anybody's boards right now. Not a one. Um, but this, this year's draft class is pretty awful. And if he, Vermont and Stony Brook are the two best teams in the AAC, it's pretty clear. Whoever comes out of that will have a good chance to showcase their program come March. If it happens to be Vermont again, Vermont, didn't make the NCAA tournament last season, which opened up that historical upset one for 16, but they were the, one of the best, I don't know, I thought one of the 30 best teams in the country, but they didn't get it because it's a one-bit lead. The year before, they won 355 straight games. Anthony Lamb, keep an eye on him. One more free, and then I'll let Ben talk. The Admiral from Tennessee, I love him. I love. I mentioned Tennessee before. I love the team swag. He's six six foot six wing. Dude does a little bit of everything. little shaky. He's going to be shaky on defense at the next level because he's not – next-level athlete, but he's very good at almost everything else. Um, he's also a dude that's developed a really nice outside shot. He was actually a 40% three-point shooter last year. This year, shooting five three-pointers a game, he's at 46%. That is insane for a guy that's kind of built like him. Uh, he rebounds really well over six a game, shoots from the floor really well, 43% a game. All his per 100 stats are out of this world good. His defensive rating is low relative to, you know, Tennessee's success is only at 93%, but that's because he's asked to do so much on the offensive end of the floor. Him and Grant Williams are going to be back end of the first round type of talents, but I love them, love them both. Great picks. Yeah. Love, love Admiral. Uh, Ad, love Admiral Schofield. Love Grant Williams. Love those guys both. Actually just wrote something up on Admiral Schofield, so you'll, you'll if you uh, are a fan of CBB today, you'll be seeing that soon. Um, I got a few names here. I don't have all the stats like Joe's got, but I got a few names for you. A guy who's been uh, gaining a lot of steam recently, Ignas Brazdakis out of Michigan. And I will tell you now, I have been standing for this man since the beginning of the season. Okay? Love the kid's swag. He's a lefty, so he, he has a special place in my heart. Love him a lot. Does a little bit of everything. Finishes well with his offhand. Can create a little bit off the, off the dribble. Shoots the ball really well. Love that kid. Uh, that's my dude. Um, another, I, I got a, I got a few guys here, but I'm going to hit on just uh, two more. So uh, a guy who some thought would leave after his first year 
He, he was supposed to be a one and done for Wisconsin, Ethan Happ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is your classic back to the back big man. Dude has, uh, they, they, so if you ever watched Kevin McHale play basketball, you, you heard that his post moves were described. Bill Simmons has described it as like the Panda Express of post moves because he has combos on combos on combos. Um, Ethan Happ is similar in that. He has he has go to moves and then he has a counter and then he has a counter for his counter. The only thing is, dude cannot shoot outside of fifteen feet, <laughs> and I think that's why he is so far under the radar for some people. Um, so I happen to like him. And then uh, smaller conference guy C.J. Massenberg out of Buffalo. Okay. He is shooting lights out. He has been phenomenal this year. Um, I think he doesn't get a lot of love because he's got kind of a funky he's got a, a bit of a funky mechanical thing going on with his shot he's got this weird hitch at the top of his shot but the ball goes in the hoop and frankly that's all that matters so i i happen to like him a lot i can definitely get with those types of prospects um one of the prospects who we mentioned earlier who i think should start getting some more bump up the draft boards is marcus howard from out of marquette I mean, we already mentioned some of his stats. Like you said, he's always averaging like 24 points, shooting 44% from three. We already know he's a lights-out shooter. But one of the things that I've seen in his game that has evolved over the years since he's been at Marquette, his attack off the dribble is much, much more improved than what it was when he first came into when he first came to Marquette. Um, it was that was one of his struggles at first. You know, he wasn't really he wasn't really a guy who could take anybody off the dribble. He's not awfully fast, but the moves off the dribble are very, very effective, which allows him to get off that, that quick release jump shot of his, which which allows him to shoot that 44% from three-point range. So if it's one name we've already mentioned already who's not under the radar, but in terms of draft prospects, he kind of is, who should start seeing his name rise up the draft boards a little bit more. And if Marcus Howard's name is not rising up many people's draft boards, I think I'm just going to throw my computer because I think I was just looking at stuff all types of wrong. I wonder what people think about him. In the, I, th- I wonder if it's just his height that kills him because I, th- I don't know what Marquette lists him, but I've seen listings for him anywhere between 5'9 to 6'1" which means he's probably 5'11". I was so I wonder that, was the, that, that was the one I saw, 5'11". So I wonder if that's like, – he's everything – like he's not the quickest first step, but like Danny was saying, he's actually become really good at creating his own shot by creating space with like – like I don't know how to ex- describe these. It's not athleticism. It's like nifty ball handling, That how he's able to create space. I don't want to compare it to Luka Doncic because it's not the same kind of thing, but it's not athleticism that's how he's creating the space. It's just being smart with the basketball. Um, which is a really lazy trope. Um, But, yeah, he's really good. I wonder if it's only the height thing that's holding him back right now. Well, I don't know. I don't think the height should be holding him back because when you look at guys like him, you mentioned guys in the past. We were still – everyone was high on Trey Young when he was doing what he was doing. He was shooting at a lower clip than what Marcus Howard was doing. We were talking about Buddy Hill, but Buddy Hill was – we didn't know what Buddy Hill was going to be. Was he going to be a two? Was he going to be a one? We had no idea. And then, of course, we all talk about Steph Curry. Steph Curry was such an undersized guard coming out of Davidson. But, yeah, look what he's turned into. So I'm not sure if it's the height. I think it's just the fact that, like we said, because it's it's his athleticism that kind of holds him back a little bit. Because a lot of times, a lot of 
a lot of NBA scouts look to see if the guy is, is has some athleticism. Because like like we mentioned, he's not overly quick. It's not like he has a blazing first step. It's just the fact that he's such a crafty ball handler now than what he was when he first came to Marquette. You know, it's really allowed him to get off that, like I said, that quick release jump shot, the step back jump shot. Hell, it even allows him to get to the basket a little bit easier now because he'd be able to go off the dribble so much, so much more smoother than what he was, say, his first two years in Marquette. So I'm not sure. Again, like I said, I don't know if people watch him enough to really pick up on what he's doing, but I think he's one of those names who I think should start rising up the draft boards. Agree. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It's it's not a great draft class, and somebody that puts up these kind of numbers can't be ignored for long. No, yeah. no, no, not at all, yeah. not at all. Man, it's 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 crazy to see that we're we're this far into the season. And look, we made it through a segment without joking about Taco Fall's jump shot. Oops, never mind. We just did. oh, so close. So I close. Taco Fall. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. As much as much as we want to try to back him into a corner, Taco Fall will probably step over the corner. True. So. It's 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 not much we can do about that. But guys, I will thank you so much for coming on for this part of the show. Um, if you want, tell them where they can find some of your stuff at. You already know you can find all three of us on cbbtoday.com. Um, I do a little bit of everything with my podcast, but I also cover the women's game for CBB today. Uh, and you can also catch me on uh Danny T B Ball at twitter.com at Twitter. So guys, just tell them where they can find some more of your stuff at. Well, I'm on CBB today. Um, I also do a little bit of Spurs writing for ProjectSpurs.com. If you're interested, if you like the pro game, uh, I do profiles of draft prospects for the for uh, the Spurs specifically. So, if you're interested in that and you have a very specific interest, <laughs> that's where you can find my stuff. And I'm also on the Twitters at the underscore Boomstein. Uh, like everybody else here, I am also at CBBToday.com. Um, when I'm not doing that, I'm just being generally handsome. And you can find me on Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Because he's a sexy beast. He's a sexy <laughs> beast. Very generally handsome. <laughs> no, problem, no problem. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for coming on for the show today. Absolutely. Thanks, Danny. All right, guys, that'll do it for this edition of the Hand Down, Man Down podcast. For all of my guests who've been on the show for today, I want to thank you all for coming on. And, between, and, and, and until next time, this is Danny Thompson signing off. We'll see you guys later.